use everything God gave you. You can do it. Bro, let's go. I know you're better than this. Be everything God made you to be. Don't quit. Don't be useless with possibility. I know there's so many just like dreams and visions in your heart, things that you want to do and get off the ground. And actually that's what my business is gonna be about um, when it kicks off in the upcoming weeks. So I'm excited about that. But before we kind of go into the main topic today, because today we are talking about, hey, on YouTube, hey, on Facebook. Today we are talking about code switching. Um, and if you don't know what that is, today you are going to find out. And my perspective comes from a couple different angles as I also have represented companies as their diversity and inclusion trainer. So I can't wait to talk about that. But before we do that, can we just dig into the fact that Brandy and Monica happened last week, hours after we all spoke, hours after we were all together. And um, the Brandy and Monica thing, if you follow me on any other spaces, you already know how I feel. I definitely was team Brandy. I identified with her music a lot more than Monica. And honestly, I feel like Brandy is like the vocalist where Monica, I feel like so many people can out sing her. I know, is that like so bad? I feel like so many people could y'all. And so because of that, I'm, I, I don't know. She just never struck me as, I would go Tevin Campbell over Brandy. I know Tevin Campbell don't have as many hits, but y'all remember Tevin Campbell? So with Brandy and Monica, as you guys may or may not know, it was three hours long of them playing their songs back to back to back. They were alternating, right? And some of the things Brandy played, I didn't know. But some of my favorites were almost doesn't count. Oh, ho, 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 ho. never seen it, did it. My husband say I'll be singing real songs because I'll be making up words. I can't help it. I do. I make up words. I just, I just go. But you know what I'm talking about. The point is, but do you know what I'm talking about? Whether I'm making up words or not, right? But Brandy, um, I thought did an excellent job, but something that I haven't heard that many people talk about is before, when it was her time to play a song, they would play a clip of some other body of work she had done in her life. So for example, she uh, was about to play, um, I don't know, sitting up in my room, but before they would play that song, they would play... Um, impossible things are happening every day. You know, her Cinderella movie. Then the beat would drop to sitting up in my room. So they were literally showcasing her full body of work in this battle. Did y'all notice that? Did y'all notice that? I was like, oh my goodness. They not pulling back any punches. And then later I saw her brother Ray J he was dancing around over there. Ray J was ready to fight. Like, Ray J didn't have to be there. Yes, you're her sibling. A lot of people have famous siblings in the industry. But Ray J was not going to miss this national spotlight. Yes. Ray J was like, I am here. Did y'all see him creeping to the camera at one point? I was like, oh my gosh. Could I handle a brother this intense? Okay, could I? I don't know. Okay, you guys' comments. Uh, Alicia S said, Hey, she said, 
Uh, I agree. Team Brandy. Absolutely. Hey, Diane G. Hey, Andrea. Uh, always trying to stay relevant. Ray J always be trying to stay relevant. Is his company, I think it's like Raython. Is it legit? Is it legit? Does it have a solid reputation? Is it really a thing? I know they were producing headphones at some point. I can never get out of my head when he said I have indestructible glasses. He was in an interview. I got indestructible glasses. And right there, the interviewer said, so if I bend these, they're not going to break. Ray was like, do it. Do it. You can bend them. They're not going to break. You can do it. Y'all remember this? And literally, the interviewer snapped him in half. <laughs> right there, he was like, pop. And Ray J, I can't remember what he said, but he stay ready. <laughs> it was like, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Okay, on Facebook, you guys are saying best friend been on repeat since last week. Who is best friend? How does that go, Tina? I don't know which one that is. I know y'all gonna get me. I'm not bad with, um, I'm not good with titles. I gotta, I, I need to know the, I need to know the groove of it all. But anyway, uh, I think they had over 50 million um, streams after the verses. People went back to their catalog. Uh, Brandy went the, to the top of the charts. It was a whole thing. Now, I want to point out something in this because there's a lesson in everything. Y'all know it. At this point, y'all know me. Brandy and Monica's work, they were talking about things they had did 25 years ago. 20 years ago. And now, 20, 25 years ago, they got more attention, more clout than they ever got way back in the day. Back in the day, they we didn't even know how bomb they was going to be until time told. And I want to speak to the things in you that you are putting in work on or that you know you need to put out in the world and you need to grow it or do it better or improve or whatever it may be. And you haven't done it yet. When you do it, don't let small results in the moment or it not being popular in the moment keep you from letting God bless it 10, 15, 20 years later, God is going to put the shine on it when God wants to put the shine on it. And it's not about when you think it should shine. It's about you putting in the work and you using in your, you, you using your gifts as you should in the right time. Y'all hear me on that. I hope you hear me on that. Okay. On YouTube, uh, Alicia says, I like Ray J. But yes, he is always in her business. That's how I feel. Best friend is a song about Ray J. Oh. Oh, that's right. That is a good song. I can't remember the rhythm right now, but I remember she dedicated to him. Did y'all like her poems? Be real. Did you like her poems though? I didn't even watch the part of the verses. I heard one poem out of all the four or five I heard she did. I only heard one poem. I was good with that. I didn't mind it because I only heard one. So I was like, okay, this sounds good. Yeah, amen. God will put the shine on it when he deems it to be time. Yeah. And when you really are trusting in the Lord, y'all, like when you have taken comfort and peace and God has the timing of this, God has the plan of all this, I'm telling you, it just brings such a peace to this. Even with this podcast, like 
Um, and I'm, you know what? That's a future episode. Let me keep pushing because we, I need, I need to draw from you guys' experiences today in the work environment. Definitely, if you are a person of color, black or otherwise, I'm gonna want to hear from you guys today. Yes. Our conversation today is around racial code switching. So I want to throw out to you guys just the general question. Do you know what this is? Do you know what racial code switching is? And I said racial because code switching is defined, defined as a couple of different ways. But when I say code switching, what comes to mind for you? What comes to mind for you? And we're going to get into if you feel like you've ever had to do it to survive. We're specifically talking about the work environment today and For me, I would definitely say code switching, the younger I was, the more I felt like I had to do it. And as I began to get older, I start becoming more free. I don't know if that's just because that's a 15 year time window I'm talking about here, but I began to come into my own um, more so in my last years of working. You guys know I've worked in multiple different types of environments I've worked in startups, I've worked in well-established companies, I've worked in tech companies, Fortune 10, honestly, companies, Amazon, Google, um, I've worked in a lot of different environments, and I've been me, this black girl, black face, growing up with little, not the best spaces or environments, And there I was needing to show up now in all these workspaces. I started my career um, in recruiting, transitioned into HR, and then into back into um, senior recruiting, and then um, diversity and inclusion trainer paired with the recruiting. So um, I've been working and talking to people from all over the world for a very long time. Now, code switching. I don't see very many comments. So I'm going to go on and share with you guys the definition that I looked up. So I looked up code switching because I wanted to see what, you know, the PC politically correct way of defining code switching was before I talked about my experience of being black in the workplace. And I want to talk about how to survive that. Okay. Can we do that? So code switching is defined as the practice of alternating between two or more languages or variety of languages in conversation. Alternating between two or more languages or varieties of languages in conversation. I just read the verb and the noun of it. So code switching is mainly about the alternating of, as it says, different languages. I believe um, code switching is most popularly known in the black community as there being a particular type of culture at work. There's a culture at work that exists. And unless you become like the culture, meaning you switch, you step away from your culture, you step away from maybe even some ways you would conduct yourself with your own people, you step away from that. And then instead you step into a um, the predominant culture in the workplace. In other words, there's a code that you need to abide by and it's somewhat unspoken. So code switching essentially is when people of color say, 
I am going to adapt to this primarily white culture because if I don't, I could feel as if I will not be able to make it, meaning get promoted, stay employed, be I would be an outcast, all the things. So that is what we're getting into today. I got some pretty uh, specific examples to share with you guys too. All right, on YouTube, Alicia says, yes, I have had to code switch often at my previous jobs. Let me tell you, I have, I didn't know I was code switching when I had to code switch. And here's how I knew I had to. So let's say, um, and there was a time where I'm sure I'm sitting in a meeting. This one example comes to mind. I'm sitting in a meeting and something happens and it's funny. And the person next to me said it and I'm like, shut up. So by me saying that, essentially, I'm using like slang. I'm using street talk for that is hilarious, right? But instead of my culture, we tell you to shut up. Okay, now we don't we don't mean it harshly. We're just saying shut up. Like it's a sense of it's a sense of humor. It's like, oh no, you did not. That is hilarious. And so I say shut up. And literally. Every white face at the table is looking like, is she mad? They're looking like, what is she? Does she want them to be quiet? And I'm like, oh, guys, it, it just means I was funny. Like, I have to like explain myself. And I, I get that. Everyone doesn't grow up in the same place. Everyone doesn't grow up in the same space. But once a black person hits that experience a couple of times, you are way less likely to put yourself in a situation where everyone of another race is looking at you as if you did something stupid. And a lot of times I believe my white coworkers didn't know they were making me to feel that way. They just knew they didn't want to feel uncomfortable, right? So there's this tug of war that is happening until everyone decides in the workplace, I want to embrace and learn and celebrate all the different ways you express yourself. I want to celebrate all the different ways that you do your work, all the different ways that all the different things you bring into this work environment. But instead, primarily working in wide environments, for me, we all knew. Let me tell you about this, this unspoken thing with black people. Let me tell you. We knew we were the minority. Especially when I was at top companies. Um, you, I mentioned two. I'm not going to pick which one out of Amazon, Google. I'm just going to speak in general. Us black people knew we were black. Okay? So in other words... There were times where we knew we should not all be hanging out together because it would make some of our, our white counterparts nervous. How did we know? One time I'm sitting in a conference room with another black young lady. She had graduated from an HBCU or historically black college or university. And she was um, kind of under my wing because she wanted me to kind of teach her because she's a year out of school. So I'm trying to teach her at this huge company I'm working for. Her boss, which is different than mine, um, this white lady, 20s, she comes flying in the door and says, you guys need to not um, be together so much or people are going to start thinking things. 
She then shuts the conference door and keeps going on about her day. Me and my black peer know plain as day. She is telling us that we have been together too much as two black people. And the fact that we are together so much makes us look as if what? We're not working or it makes us look as if something negative is happening or we are doing something that we're not supposed to because we are together. Now, meanwhile, her and I were crushing it. We're killing our numbers. We're performing high. It didn't matter. And this person thought they had the right to throw that door open because they lead the other girl and tell us we needed to separate. This is one of many examples of the pressure that exists within a lot of companies, company culture that says you need to be like us. You need to blend in with us. If you hang with your own kind, it is perceived as a threat. And therefore, a lot of times I have watched uh, us black people, myself personally, and my black peers try to navigate in white environments. I have seen my black peers code switch on the spot. They are trying to figure out the way to present themselves properly or whatever it may be because they don't want to hurt their job. They don't want to hurt their chances of letting their skills and their work speak for itself. Have you ever been there? Have you ever loved someone? No, I'm not Brandy. Let's move on. Okay, so comment on Facebook says, in the corporate environment, we adjust speech. Oh, here we go. The way we act to things and even the way we present ideas. It is so unspoken. We just know we have to in this environment. It is so unspoken. We literally just know. No one taught me that I needed to behave a certain way in the environment. I simply learned by the reactions of my environment. My environment taught me what walks and what doesn't. And earlier in my career, in my young 20s, I learned so quickly that if I just show up as myself without any tailoring to fit the culture or the code of my environment, then I was going to be ostracized and it would hinder my work and it would hinder the direction of my career. It, I'm, for me, it has shown itself time and time again. Now, here's the thing. Not trying to bash all white people. Some of my favorite people are white. Love them to pieces. One being my husband, but love them to pieces. But there have been conversations I have had with my coworkers. Um, one in particular who straight up told me, I grew up with racist parents. I grew up with racist parents who dropped racial jokes all the time. And when I came into my 20s, he told me, he said, I had to teach myself how not to see color. He told me that training you just taught hundreds of recruiters about diversity and inclusion, you just told me to see color. And he was like, I don't know how to put that. And as I thought about what he said later, what he reminded me of is the fact that if he sees color, the only way he'd been taught to see color or black people was in a very toxic, ignorant and dumb way. And he did not want to see color anymore because he didn't know how to accept us individually as we are today. 
And so I felt bad for him, honestly, because he really felt stuck. And the fact that he could honestly talk to me about it was amazing because he helped me to have empathy for the person who are like, who are like, yes, I've been around a bunch of negative stuff said about black people. And I seriously do not want to agree or feel the way they have felt. Now it's his job to educate himself. It's his job to show up well in all the spaces, right? It's his job. Um, and he said, I'm teaching my kids absolutely not to see color, but I'm telling you black people, um, for the majority, we don't want you to not see color. We want you to see our color. We want you to notice we are different than you. We have commonalities. We grew up in the same country, right? But we are different because everyone is different from everyone else. There is no carbon copy black person, no carbon copy white person. God has made all different colors, experiences, all the things. So we want you to be able to recognize our color and love it. Recognize we come from a culture that may be different than yours and celebrate that thing. We don't want to feel like we need to be conducive to your environment or we will sink. And that is how so many black Americans feel in predominantly white companies. I remember um, about seven, eight years ago, numbers from all the major companies, Facebook, um, Twitter, Google, Amazon were published. Um, there were numbers published that stated the percentage of minorities that work for these companies. And let me tell y'all, I happened to be at one of the, those companies I just named at the time. There was such a mad dash scramble within these companies. How can we hurry and hire minorities? We need to hurry and hire black people. How do we do it? So they go to recruiting and they're like, how do we find black people to work here? Because we are going to hurt our business by looking like we only hire primarily white males or Asian males if it was a tech company or Indian males because they were viewed as the smartest culturally. We don't want to look like a racist company. How do we do this? So there was a time where plans start being put together within all of these companies, strategic plans of how you recruit minority candidates. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, black people can just apply for jobs just like everybody else. Why do companies got to do something different for black people or other minorities? Can't they just apply for jobs like everybody else? Now, y'all getting into my bag with this one because this was my area of expertise. There are studies that show that a black person, meaning a person and or a person of color that has an ethnic sounding name is has a significantly less higher chance, significantly less chance <laughs> of being hired or even being called in for an interview because their name is on their resume. And there are specific recruiters who don't see color, but also will not call on the ethnic person, that name they may not be able to pronounce 
or they just feel uncomfortable presenting them to a manager who they may feel like does not want someone of color on their team. I have worked alongside these people. I am telling you this is real. There are other times where I have specifically seen um, people of color get into the job interview and be offered less than other people in that same position. I have seen black candidates on the phone with me. You know what I've, I've um, experienced before and it's the best thing. They can tell on the phone that I'm black. The person calling into that company for an interview, we go through the interview. They're qualified for the job and I'm more apt to call them because I'm very comfortable with talking to another black person about the company I'm working for. At the end of a couple of my interviews, where they're, where I'm asking them questions to see if they can get a further interview when they, you know, beyond me, they, at the interview, some black people have straight up asked, okay, girl, so what is it really like? Okay. Okay. Sis, what is it like in there? Why? Because there is this, there is this black experience that is all over America. We had no group meeting. We don't all talk and just know all the same things. But somehow all of us know this candidate I'm talking to is across the country. And they already know when we go into this primarily white environment, how much are they going to try to make me bend? How much of myself am I going to have to put in my, in my back, in my backpack? Okay. My laptop bag. <laughs> as I try to work in this space, how much? Girl, tell me, what is it really like in your company? And I would have to give them an answer where I couldn't cross the line because I had to be true to the company I worked for because they're paying me and because I said I would, right? I've signed all the papers, okay? I work there. But I definitely have said, you know what? This is a very good environment, I told them. I was like, but you're definitely gonna wanna get involved in these black organizations because you can find a tribe here. Like I have, so I'm still selling cause I was part of my job, but I was giving them the key. In this space, you gonna have to hunt us down, okay? Why? Because no person wants to just be alone. We're at work for hours and hours. Who wants to just be alone and misunderstood or even rejected at work constantly? That's not a good feeling. It's not at all. So I definitely would try to give tips where I could. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna go to you guys' comments, but can I tell you another story? I was recruiting for this company where I had about 14 different leaders that I hired people for. And they wanted senior people and mid-level people. Well, I called this one person in Houston. He had just a great resume. I was like, ooh, he has some great skills. Now I have a trained eye where I can see beyond just the title you put on there and all the things I know what to ask you. So I call him and I'm like, Hey, you know, um, I'd love to see if you're interested in blank position. Well, we're going through, and this is a black guy. I looked, had already looked up his LinkedIn profile. Cause you know, LinkedIn profiles has your picture. Let me tell you right now, most all hiring managers look at your LinkedIn profile. They want to see what you look like. And there are some who will say they don't want to talk to you because they've seen what you look like. Mm -hmm. So I knew a lot of my managers look at LinkedIn profiles. 
So I was like, let me help this brother out because right now you can tell his picture was from somebody else's wedding and he got on blacked out shades and he is pent back leaning on a wall. And I know good and well that when I present you to all of my managers, none of which are brown or black will not understand the fact that you only take pictures at weddings um, where you are, sir. And you don't have a professional picture, but the shades look like you're hiding something. Your skin is already black. Sir, I'm going to need you to change this picture. Okay. Now here's how I had to set this up. We're go through the interview. I'm asking him the questions and this and that. And at the end, it does go to where he asked me in a roundabout way. So what's it like there? And we both know as black people, all he trying to find out. Can he survive here? Will he like it here as a black person? And I tell him, I said, you know what? I think you could do really well here. Can I give you one piece of advice? Oh, when they say yes, I get so excited. I was like, you must change your LinkedIn profile. I broke down his profile to him. I was like, hey, your picture says you're hiding something. It doesn't it look like you're smiling. It looks like you're trying to be cool. And because this is not a social platform, it's a professional network. If you don't change it, you are going to keep them from saying yes to you. Even after I put your excellent resume in front of them within hours, he had changed it and messaged me on LinkedIn said done. I presented him to, to the people. He ended up getting hired out of everyone that I presented to them to interview. He got hired because he was good. And I didn't want anything to get in his way. And I definitely didn't want him to be discriminated against, even because he was misunderstood. He was misunderstood before they ever got to know him. And this is why I think it's so important that there is diversity in the workplace. All right, let me go to you guys' comments. All right, um, Sheila says, hey, Sheila, uh, seeing color is relative. What some of them really want to say is they don't want it to affect the way they treat us. I agree. Um, I like when there is the opportunity to clarify what seeing color should really mean. I agree. I think seeing color is definitely seeing the differences in us, but not being threatened, intimidated by them or not feeling as if the other person is wrong for having them. And I think that's where really true inclusive environments are. You're okay with the fact that me and you are different and you don't put pressure on me to change. And I'm not talking about toxic behavior. I'm talking about just individual cultured expressions. And it's okay that I express myself, myself through my hair, meaning my hair is big. My hair is textured. My hair may be colored. I got a couple pieces of color in here. My hair may be whatever. And you don't always talk about it or try to touch it or all the things that would make me feel like I'm on display at work versus you just thinking it's cool and saying, man, I love your hair. And then move on with your life just like you would anyone else. Right? So when when things are celebrated in a way, it's a healthy thing. It's a healthy thing. And that is what I believe we truly want. Yeah, on YouTube, Andrea says, and he listened. He absolutely listened. And I was so proud of him for listening because he didn't have to do it. And I also didn't have to present him to, to uh, these leaders. <laughs> I mean, I literally went back and checked and he put a smiling picture with um, not a busy background. It was perfect. 
because somehow part of the code switch also comes off even in LinkedIn, where most of our pictures have to look happy or you think, for me, I'm an angry, angry black woman. If I got too much sass in my picture, it can be misunderstood and misinterpreted. Look, I'm telling you what I know. I am not telling you what I heard. All right. I want to talk to you about maybe ways you can consider navigating your environment that may be putting pressure on you to switch. Here, because it's about building your confidence, right? You using those God-given gifts you got, all the things. I want to make sure that we always have some empowering type of conversation, no matter how kind of deep into something we go into. So how do you survive in these environments? I would say, first of all, there's only certain people that really need to get you. Every coworker you work with is not going to be cultured or open-minded enough to accept and understand who you are. Let me say that again. Everybody you work with is not going to be um, open-minded and cultured even enough to accept or understand who you are. But there are some key people in your workplace that need to get you. One of them is your boss. Your boss can be polar opposite. You grew up in the South, they grew up in the North. You know, you voted one way, they voted another. You have, you know, you always show up early, they show up right on time. Y'all could just be different and pick it a lot of different ways. But if the way they view racial differences is in a way that is accepting and they are an advocate for you, you want your boss to be that way. You want your managers, your leaders, or even the person who manages your boss to have a very open-minded way of being. And let me tell you why. Because if something comes, because if your manager happens to friend people that are more like them, which a lot of bosses do out of their insecurity, and they friend your peers and you know your peers are different than you, then at the very least, your boss's boss, your boss, yes, Felicia, your boss's boss gets you. And I have been in that environment. My boss's boss, actually, I've been in, in a workplace in one of those big companies where my manager actually told me, they're like, yes, we have these goals to hire more minorities and women. And um, when it comes to minorities, I don't know necessarily how to go out and get them. Now, this is my boss. They should know more than me, right? They literally hand the whole project over to me. In other words, you're black. Help us figure out a strategy to hire black people. And some of those same follow-up uh, follow conversations, um, I had a coworker who was sitting right in front of her say, why can't black people just apply for jobs like everybody else? I'm telling you something I know. Me and one other black person look at each other like, oh my gosh. We already was like, I knew he was racist. So he then had to be educated. He had to be educated on why. And let me just tell you why when it comes to surviving, okay? Because we're still talking about surviving this now and tips for surviving environments where you feel like you need to switch. The reasons why a lot of companies don't have as many minorities has nothing to do with the fact that minorities are not smart enough to work there. 
there are quite a few minorities that still live in impoverished places and don't have the education, money, or resources to get seen, meaning they're not able to, like me at one point in my, you know, hood, my ghetto, be able to come out of that environment. I was able to come out of the environment and be put into a top rated state school in a whole nother state when my dad left my mother and my mom moved her three kids to Oklahoma near a place that she wanted to go to Bible training school. And so she hiked us across that country with money I had earned selling candy at school and her scraping together what she could because she was not working at the time. And then we hiked over there. Now my senior year, I knew coming into that environment that my A in my hood was gonna be a B minus, maybe a C in this white, quote unquote, white school where I'm full of black kids in the inner city. I come into this white school, I'm the only one in all of my classes, the only one. One time there were two of us and we could not believe it because the school had over a thousand kids in it. It was only 11th and 12th grade, believe it or not. Huge, huge, huge school. So I knew that being at that school, I would likely be accepted into somebody's university because that was on my transcript, Broken Arrow High School, right? So I had, I come from one space to another. Everybody doesn't get that opportunity and everybody again doesn't have the resources. So when it comes to um, smarts, it's not always about, oh, black people aren't smart enough to do it. It has so much to do about the opportunities that we are many times not given or are not afforded to us. Um, so go to your comments. Tanya says, and they probably never got access to a college education. It starts in schools, especially with guidance counselors. I agree. The guidance counselors in these high schools and in these schools have so much power because they also can open the minds of that young person to, to help them pursue more. Even if they're after they graduate high school and their mom has to figure out how to move next to a community college so they can walk to class and get an associates and then try to get their way into a university and try to get an in-state scholarship, whatever. But a lot of people in these type of environments do not know. Now today, everybody should know, but definitely for me, you didn't know. So going back to surviving, you want your boss to be on your side or at the very least your boss's boss. Another thing about these work environments, yes, I see that guys, SAT prep, scholarship access, looking at colleges, yeah, this was not happening. People would tell me, oh, you smart, oh, you smart. Now I knew that I'm like, no, I'm just in this space. So I look real smart. I know if I'm not here, I'm not as smart. Like I knew that. And I knew that because I had lived in different places before. So I knew, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I am making straight A's here. No big deal, right? But we're all sharing textbooks. Textbooks with ripped out pages and um, that are vent, that are torn to shreds and have cuss words all through the books and we can't take books home and we don't barely have computers, if any, in this school. Yeah, I am making straight A's here. But I knew that the world outside of that would be very different and likely not welcoming for me. Um, on YouTube, not just telling them you're not college material or straight line you to a junior college. Absolutely. 
even if you're junior college, you can still go to a four-year school transfer. Now, we're talking surviving this environment. Have you ever been in situations where you have felt like you needed to switch up in order to make it and that it was mainly based around your color? There are times where I would come home to my husband, who is white, and tell him a situation. And he would tell me, you need to watch that lady. He's, he, he can see it too. He could see the race thing being a part of how some people would treat me or not, right? Or have nothing to do with me or whatever. When it comes to surviving this space, if you work for a company that has some type of group or club that is based on culture, get into them. Yeah, uh-huh. I see this on Facebook. She says all the time she feels like she has to adapt or she can't she can't make it there. But some of you need to consider forming these clubs at your workplaces. Just because the club doesn't exist at your space doesn't mean you can't start it. Do you hear me? And these would be interest groups. Now, speaking of finding people who are like you, who have your same culture, you know, in your workspace and the different type of groups that could exist in a workspace, hopefully your company is open-minded enough to not just create one. Because if a black person goes and say, I want to create an African-American celebration group, or I want to create, then a lot of times it's a lot harder to get traction on that. But if you say, hey, I think we should start interest groups here. Here's a couple ideas. And you get other people who have other interests, whether it's a walking group and it turns out to be, you know, black women run or minorities run. It, you, you could have it in a lot of different ways, but start the group. Why? Because you want to feel welcomed and understood at work. And it makes a difference in how you show up for work. It absolutely does telling you firsthand yes t says at work it's a daily struggle oh my gosh goodness working while black is a thing yes and then another agreement here on youtube now also when it comes to kind of surviving the code switching thing something that i would recommend is you definitely want to keep paper trails okay so let's say you do have a racist co-worker and you know that you cannot just quit this job, all right? You know that you cannot just walk away from your income or you're in a good position there, you know? Um, and you're not ready to move. I definitely think you should have a paper trail. What's a paper trail? Every single email you send, you guys know, is a legal document, is legally binding. If you send a crude joke in an email, you can get fired over it. You may not think it's a big deal, but it definitely breaks HR law or employment law. You can't do that, right? So if someone says something derogatory towards you and it's a consistent theme, you should have a folder in your email, name it whatever you want, name it to where if someone looked at your email, yes, if someone looked at your email, they could not know what it is, um, you know? But you keep definitely two things. You want to drag emails in there or tag emails in there that are derogatory or negative just in case they become a trend. Pay attention to the fact if the emails archive every 90 days, then that means you may need to copy it or something, but you want to keep that. Like I have consistent derogatory examples or whatever. 
just in case, all right? The second photo you wanna keep is every time your work is celebrated. Every time your work is celebrated. Why? Because if something goes down, if you don't have leaders that are for you, if you think your race has something to do with it, you need hard, cold proof of the things you have done that have been excellent at work. If you have a streak of any kind, and honestly, if I was really breaking it down, I would tell you that if you have a friend at work that noticed something and have the power to email you and say, hey, I noticed that you have, you know, that you you have made the top performance for the last six months. Good job, girl. Slide that into your accomplishments folder in your email. Why? Because it is still a paper trail of work you have done consistently, right? It's a thing. It can be proven. Like she ain't the only one who noticed, but you want those two folders, things that you may have to dispute later, right? If somebody tries to come for you. And secondly, your accolades, positive thing that's have. Sometimes you have to send an email maybe to yourself to remind yourself. Um, yes. All right. Your comment says, yes, email truth. Um, true. I don't know what uh, CYB is, but you got to tell me Tanya. And then yes, true. And when you go on the other up upward position, add that to your portfolio resume. Oh my gosh. So I always give the advice that you should have your resume. You should be updating it constantly. Your resume is a living document. It doesn't go away because you're not looking for a job. It is a living document. So if your boss asks you to help someone do something, then you have been asked by your um, selected to mentor new employees, selected to partner with new employees on blank. All of these Oh, come on. Yes. With the cover your butt emails. All of these are things you have to track. And if you've been there for years, you're not going to remember when it's time to change jobs. Your resume is alive. I would put a reminder in your calendar at least every eight weeks to just look at it. Just look at it. Right. Um, on Facebook here. Hey, Danielle. She says bringing etched in stone to life. Look, bring it to life. Then someone says, yes, ma'am. I was taught that if it's not on paper, it didn't happen. Yes, Tina says document everything. Yes, a cover your butt. And I know in other spaces, they say CYA. I know what that is too. I ain't that um, Christianized, okay? I am aware. Yes, positive evaluations. That is what you want. Because no matter how people think about you, what they like or don't like about you, you absolutely need to make sure that you have a bomb track record. Now, your light needs to be shining in that space. That's a whole nother thing. But you definitely want to make sure your work is solid. You want that thing undisputed up in there, especially if you are a minority. I can share this, that um, when I came in, I came in as a contractor. It was the first job I'd ever taken as a contractor, but it was a way to get in the door. Um, and it was interesting that with all the experience I had, that contracting is what was offered. That's a whole nother thing. But I did come in as a contractor and I watched seven, eight, nine rounds of people that started with me because they were hiring in droves get cut because of their performance over and over. I made it to the last round of people. I was there over a year. It was amazing to watch, but you know what kept my butt in that seat? Do you know what kept me there? My work. 
Don't matter how you feel, what you think. The lady who bust in the room, like I told you earlier, who said y'all two black girls. She didn't say y'all two black girls. She said y'all two need to not be hanging together so much. Who literally racially profiled us at work. Like you cannot, what can you do? You can't touch me. My work is fire. I have not compromised any rules or broken anything in this space. On YouTube, it says, it is not written, it is not real, was the best piece of advice I received from my mentor. Absolutely. Brashina says, I forgot I trained an intern, intern. check. Oh, Brashina, yes, ma'am, jot it down. Now, when it's time to actually train or like, um, like present your resume, like put it out there because you want to get hired for a job, that's when you can start kind of tailoring off some of the stuff that may not be as strong. But you know what you're gonna have? You're gonna be able to see trends of things that you've been asked to do that maybe isn't, you know, um, that maybe isn't, you maybe not, would not have noticed before, but you noticed a trend of things. You're, you're usually selected for this or that. And the things you're asked to do that are not a part of your job description are normally the, the best stuff. It's the shining stars because that's the things that will always set you apart. Now, surviving in a work environment is where we are. It's what we're talking about. When you are especially a black person, a minority in an environment that doesn't look like you, you know, it's, it's, you are likely the only black person. Now, the mistake a lot of companies make is they will say, well, let's hire one. I want one black person on my team. Let's say the boss says, yes, I am going to do this thing, right? I am going to, um, hire a minority, right? And can they target hire? No, it's actually against the law for them only to consider one type of race uh, for a job because the jobs are based on skills and they can be sued if they only look for minorities. But what's really important is that they are looking at a diverse pool of candidates, right? Um, but what is really important is that not only one black person is hired. Their uh, research has shown, um, and I for, didn't look it up again to see who cited this, so my apologies, but research has shown that when you only hire one black person who's in the room, you know, maybe full of people who don't share their same culture um, or really can identify with who they are, um, that typically the pressure of the different culture in the space will most likely make the person of color conform or code switch instead of that person being able to represent all of who they are in a space that is not like them. So if you are really trying to diversify an environment, you have hired more than one black person, more than one Hispanic person, more than one. You don't just bring in one and say, we did it. No, you sprinkle that thing. How? You absolutely want to diversify your pool of candidates. So let me say this, and I know I'm going kind of deep on this, but you guys make a difference in your environment. If you are a part of an interview team and all you've seen is one type of person, it is your responsibility to say, hey, I feel like we've only seen white males. Hey, I feel like we've only seen, you know, whatever the thing, even if it's only black people and you're in mainly a black environment, I've only seen 
It is your job, your responsibility. This is how we bring diversity into the workplace. Workplace can absolutely, and I think is underestimated to be the place where racial division can end. Why? It can be a catalyst in, in, in racial division ending because you literally are forcing people that are different to coexist in one environment and reach a similar goal. And every other space in any adult's life, they get to pick. They get to choose who they hang with, choose who they're around. At work, you got to be with who you got to be with. And that's why it's so important that you, as you grow in your job, career, and all the things, that you are making a difference and you are making an impact where you are and you have a voice and you can use it. If I had to think of one other piece of advice when it comes to surviving in this environment, I would definitely say um, have a sounding board. If you have someone outside of your job that you can talk to on rough days, do that. I would be very careful. Oh my gosh, can I say this y'all? I have had another black woman in a work environment with me and she literally stepped on me to try to be the black girl. Oh, I hate saying it. I love us. I love our people. At the same time, I have literally seen it. Literally seen another black person step on another. And we can't have that. And low key, I know that's nothing but the enemy. There's a whole nother spiritual thing that's happening that's trying to drive that division. But I have totally seen it before. And I want to encourage you, if you've ever struggled with that, please fight that desire. Do not feel like you have to be that person or that thing. All right. Feedback on um, or comments on um, Facebook. All right. Danielle says venting is a must just to keep walking in love. Absolutely. Sometimes you do have to express it, let it out. Make sure that you wrap that thing in prayer though. That's how you keep your heart from getting hard. So you don't become the thing you're venting about. We know that. Yes. Sheila says crab syndrome. Yes. David says jealousy, plain and true. A hundred percent. Crabs in a barrel. That's right. Where I got to be number one. I got to be number one. And sometimes people within races can do that too. But that's any race, not just black people. Something that I feel like I would be remiss in if I did not say this um, is something that I told you a coworker said out loud. Um, this white guy on the team Um he actually says aloud, why can't, you know, why can't minorities just apply for jobs like everybody else? And when he says that me and the other black coworker in the room are shocked. My boss who was sitting across from him, it didn't even stand out to her as offensive when he said it. She didn't even think about the fact that, oh my gosh, look at what he just said. Hey guys, make sure that you like before I forget on Facebook, hit share on YouTube, hit like if you can. But she did not even notice. So here's an answer to that question. Why can't black people just apply for jobs like everybody else? Why do companies have to strategically look for them? Mainly because out of the pool of candidates, and I have looked at thousands upon thousands of resumes in my life, um, there are typically a lot fewer of us. And when we do the run these back end searches, back end of Monster, back end of Indeed, back end of our own internal um, hiring databases, when we do this, you guys, we pull based on the top skills. So if you have the best written resume that speaks to your job, you're going to come to the high, the top of the stack. 
But I know as a recruiter, it's way easier for me to just try to get my job done and just present the top 10 people. Okay, these, I've looked at these, you know, 30 resumes. These 10 are the best. Chances are the minority's resume out of all of those hundreds that came back or however many came back in my results, chances are they didn't come to the top because chances are they, some do at this point, have enough experience at big box companies to come up to the top or whatever it was, whatever type of industry you're in. But for me, I had to look for them. What came to the top were primarily white and Asian males for the, the positions, the engineering positions I was recruiting for at the time, just using one particular example. So unless I said, I'm going to also find at least three other minorities with this skill set to present to this team for hiring and for interviews, they likely would not get a shot. And you would not see minorities in companies because they're not being recruited for because recruiters aren't taking the extra step to pull them into the interview pool. That is why it's not just, oh, minorities just need to apply like everybody else. It is, if I want a diverse environment, I have to search for it. If I want a diverse environment, I have to invite them in and I need to make sure when they get here, they feel included. When they get here, they don't feel like they got to be someone different in order to enjoy where they work. Because if they don't like where they work, let me tell you, black people gonna tell other black people, oh girl, don't come work here. Girl, girl, save yourself. Oh yes, we will. Why do you think that candidate said to me once, okay girl, how is it really over there? How is it really? Why? Because no one wants a bad work environment. We don't wanna deal with all this drama. We deal with race so much outside of work who wants to go to work and deal with race some more okay we want to be around people that are cool with us we want to be around people that enjoy us being there we want to be around people that if you bring some stanky lunch here and you heat up your stanky lunch and i see to you as a black person what is that okay you're not so offended Okay. Or looking at me like I'm dumb because I do not get, I don't, I don't get what you cook. Okay. What did you make for lunch here? What is this foolishness on this plate? I would never say that in the work environment, but y'all feel me. Okay. When you celebrate differences, they're able to express themselves and you have learned them enough to know when they're not being offensive or trying to hurt you. They're just, <laughs> Brussels sprouts. I now love Brussels sprouts. Oh my gosh, Andrea. She said she'll throw up over Brussels sprouts. I love them now. I just became a fan two years ago. But do y'all hear me? That is inclusion. You're not trying to make people feel like that if they're not like you, they're wrong. Inclusion. There it is. Yes, we're about to do this raffle in just a minute. This raffle that we're about to do today, I do at the beginning of every month. It's a brand new Grace LEA, which is a satin lined cap. I, this is so horrible for the microphone. Let me move it. Which is a satin lined cap. Women of color love it so much, right? Um, I need the gift for my locks. Yeah. So let me go ahead and I'm going to pull up. Hopefully YouTube doesn't drop. I'm going to go to my email list here and I'm going to count down nine spots and I'm just going to see who the winner actually is. And I'm counting with a one, two, keeping going here and three, four, 
almost there five six seven eight nine all right and this person is keisha sims 